Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome to Wednesday afternoon and yet another episode of Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network. Today, we are talking about 2006's best picture masterpiece, Martin Scorsese's incredible, frenetic, fast-paced film, The Departed, one of my 25 favorite movies ever made, probably. Let's talk about it, guys. We'll see you in just a second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now... Here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! What's up, everybody? Ooh. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. I thought we were going to have the Flogging Molly We forgot. Song. We switched engineers we, last we minute. We switched engineers <laughs> last minute. Stephen Lemieux up in the booth, everybody. What's up, Stephen? How you doing? Hey, guys. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Welcome <laughs> back to the booth. This is, uh, this is exciting. This is Action Movie Anatomy, and Stephen is the executive producer of Popcorn Talk. He created the show with us yes, he uh, did. 85 episodes ago. And uh, there, there we, we go. go. <laughs> Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy, everybody. <laughs> so, guys, today's episode is The Departed. Uh, Best Picture 2006. Just, like, one of the movies that, in those formative years of, like, high school to college, I remember oh, watching yeah. in theaters and just being like, wow, like what an experience. It's aged incredibly. It's one of the best crime dramas, I think, ever made. And I think it's pretty hard to argue that Scorsese isn't the greatest crime drama director of all time. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, well, we'll talk all about Scorsese here. Uh, shortly, but it, yeah, it's a pretty amazing movie, uh, guys. This is Action Movie Anatomy. We talk about action movies on the show. Uh, sometimes we'll deviate from the traditional Under Siege and The Rock formula, and we'll mm-hmm. kind of go into something a little more dramatic, like The Departed. I watched uh, Under Siege too as I went to sleep last night. By oh, the way. that's good. It's a really good on film. the train. Yeah, yeah. very good. Yeah, it's We've great. also already earned a thumbs down in our chat. Really? So. Yes. Oh wow, it's a good start. <laughs> Unbelievable! Because I was uh, on it with the music. It was the music. Yeah, it was, they they wanted it right at the intro. We blame Stephen Lemieux. <laughs> um, if you guys want to take back the thumbs down because we blamed Stephen, you can. Um, <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, but uh, guys, we cover action movies here. Those action movies adhere to four basic rules. I don't think this one's gonna really. Let's see. Let's let's check. Let's go through our rules. Rule number one: the hero always plays by their own rules. And I guess I don't think. Does I actually think Leo doesn't play by his own no, rules. No, he plays by the rules of the FBI and, and, and Frank Costello. And everyone around him, the SIU, everything. Yeah, he definitely is like... But he does, he's just like, screw this, and he gets up and leaves yeah. a couple times, and he does things his, he does do things his own way. Smashes the glass on the guy's head. Yeah, he knocks out uh, his teeth. God, I can't remember his name. Jimmy Bags? Jimmy Bags. Jimmy Bags. It's Jimmy Bags. Jimmy Bags. Yeah. <laughs> just the hair so, back yeah, in. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Uh, two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. Uh, I guess in this one, yes. Yeah, I mean, if he, technically the real villain 
is Damon. Yeah, right. And it's like they're playing each other constantly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that that's that one works. Three, the movie is driven by police, military, political, or mercenary figure. Easy. Um, yeah, it's absolutely. And then the movie contains a minimum of one explosion is number four. There's yeah. no explosion. No, there is. Really? There's the Molotov cocktail under the car and oh, the car yeah. blows up. Right. This movie fits. All right. 100% of the way. Yeah. All right. So Who those are thought? the four Who rules of action movie thought? anatomy. Um, we are on Twitter. If you guys want to follow mm-hmm. along and join the conversation, we've had some wonderful interaction recently. This morning, somebody tweeted us randomly and just said, you know what? I just found your show. I've listened to three episodes so far. I'm Great catching episodes. Up. I love it. Yeah, I think they referenced uh, Commando. Yeah. Fast Five. And Con Air, and right? Con Air. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's... Well done, my friend. Well done. I'm so happy that there's like a catalog now that if you love action movies, you can go and find like, you know, a really good portion of things you probably love. There's no way that when we talk about this show to anybody, if we say, go look at what we've done, yeah. go look at the movies and find just one, just find any one film that you love. Yeah. There's one in there. Oh, there's gotta be. Um... Speaking of, I mean, this one, this is another one. Like, this and Inception and Dark Knight, those are some of the new, the more recent ones that just are, like, they're loved by everybody. Yeah, and they're they're sort of, they bridge on being dramatic more than, than you know, action. But there's plenty of action, and they're sort of action-packed in the way that they're paced. Yeah, and it, it's really the pacing. We always talk about pace and tone and, like, the feeling of, like, The Departed when you're watching it. Even though there's not a ton of action, it feels like you're watching an action movie. You're completely engaged. It's, it's kind of like you're on the edge of your seat. The you pace know? of this movie is unbelievable and mm-hmm. that's a uh, big credit to Thelma Schumacher who's the, the editor on this movie who actually won an Oscar for it uh, but we will get into that as we go let's uh, let's roll the trailer and get into uh, you know our, our thoughts on the movie our thesis statements Jordan Marsh when I was your age they would say we could become cops or criminals what I'm saying is this when you're facing a loaded gun what's the difference Perfect. He's. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. So good in this movie. This is a state police. We are an elite unit. This is who we're after. Frank Costello. You won't be paid as a regular cop, but there's a bonus involved. So what do I do? Just like makes me want to go watch it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You will not ever know the identity of undercover people. You have anyone in with Costello presently? Maybe. Do you know who I am? Maybe I don't. Maybe Maybe fuck yourself. I'm gonna have my associates search you. Ray Winston's great, great too. He's so down. good in this. Yeah. Get your hands off me. I think. The whole cast is pretty good. We are all convinced that Costello has at least one mole inside the special investigations unit. There are parts of my job I can't talk to you about. 
you are trouble. She's hot in this movie. She's great in this movie. Yeah. Did you see that it was going to be Emily, Emily Blunt? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, Emily Blunt. There was a couple other people up for it. I did see that Scorsese wanted to cast a known actress, then he ended up going to somebody who's yeah. relatively new, a newcomer. I can get the rap. You just gotta let me do it my way. If you don't, it won't be me who pays for it. Fire it. It's a lot of holy shit moments. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. Martin Sheen, you throw out the village of holy shit moments. Yeah. This song is so good it's in this so movie. Good. And the scene with it is great. Yep. From the inside. It's real. Man, smoke him out. It's just beautiful. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a... You're lying to me. There are things you don't want to know about. It's a weird... Uh, I'll, I'll throw the stat about the song out. What are you waiting for, honestly? I mean, do you want him to chop me up and feed me to the poor? Is that what you guys want? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm the house boy. Yeah, totally. yeah. Funny, you know, watching this movie, I had, believe it or not, totally. You all are act accordingly. I had totally forgotten one of the most important plot pieces, which is that Costello is an informant. I had just forgotten that that was a thing. Yeah, I'd forgotten that uh, Leo was the father of Vera Farmiga's kid. That was what I forgot. Yeah, totally. Um, That song that plays is comfortably numb, but it's it's David Gilmour singing it with Van Morrison live. What a weird track! Like you. A live track of like a collaboration between two legends singing a band's mo- one of their yeah. most famous songs is like, and it's like the iconic song from the movie that and the Flogging Molly song. But like Scorsese's always been great about that. He's one of the guys that really pioneered using studio music, like actual tracks as opposed right. to scores. Yeah, he's a huge fan of the Stones. Yeah, constantly using their music. Yeah, over Give Me decades. Shelter is that's the third movie he's used it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Should we move on? Should we move ahead and right into our thesis statement? Yeah, let's do it. So thesis statement, guys, if you watch or listen, you know this is our big, bold thought about the movie, something that really rooted in hyperbole, something you would you know defend to the death at a party. Uh, this is your main, biggest takeaway from the movie. And I'll jump straight in with mine and just say I didn't remember how good DiCaprio was in this movie. Mm-hmm. And looking through his entire filmography, he's arguably the best actor of this generation, him and PSH. They're like... The guys, I would say there's a couple other guys, yeah. but I mean, like Daniel Day Lewis is thrown in that conversation, but he picks and chooses his work so rarely. And he's a little older, he's mm-hmm. like really rose to prominence really in the late 80s, early 90s, as opposed to the other guys, which is like hit their stride in the 2000s, right? Um, but I would just say outright, this is DiCaprio's best movie. His, sorry, sorry, this is his best performance. His best performance, this is Leonardo DiCaprio's best performance, and the you know, the ones. That he's up against for that would be like the Aviator, um, the Revenant would be the most notable because he just won the Oscar for it. I think he's really good in the Revenant. Mm-hmm. I think he's great, but I throw in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, in Wolf that Wall Street's fantastic. Blood Diamond is the one that he gets the Oscar nod for, which is not really no Gangs of New York. Like you know, Catch Me If You Can, Inception, Inception. Yeah, I mean he's don't get me wrong, DiCaprio's phenomenal. He's been in great yeah. movie after great movie after great movie. That's not what you're saying. You're yeah. saying that this is his greatest performance, which yeah. is. God, man, it's so hard. It becomes a, a game of splitting hairs, I think. Yeah, definitely. With him. I mean, because you can be like, well, is it harder to play Howard Hughes? Like, somebody's a little crazy and he's like a real figure. Is it harder to play, you know, in The Revenant where he's like so like physically... But I just, I don't and know. this is like, they tell, he talks about like, this is like a 24-hour panic attack. Like, the mental strain of playing this character is is immense. And I, I can't say that I completely agree with you, but I can't disagree with you either. 
I, I don't think that this is... Yeah. I can't just outright be like, this is his best, but I can't argue against it. I really found watching this that he, scene after scene after scene, I would have a moment where I was like, my God, like, he's just just killing it. Like, the intensity, yeah. the like the craziness, uh, and then also, like, the levels, like, those scenes that he has with Vera Farmiga are great. That scene in the psychiatrist's office is awesome. So good. Um He's just got these, like the scenes with Martin Sheen. When you, his real terror as he's like going deeper and deeper and realizing that like nobody knows who he is. Yeah, the scene of uh, the phone ringing after uh, Queen and dies. Yeah, he's just sitting there looking at it. He packs a ball of shit. Yeah, staring at it. That's great. And then he even says that that scene, the solo scene with him and Nicholson, is one of the greatest honors of his whole life. Yeah, one of the greatest moments of his life. Which Jack improvised a lot of that scene. Yeah. I can't even imagine what that would be like. Right. Because in in that moment, you've got Jack Nicholson across me, one of the greatest actors of all time, who, no matter how well you know him, which Leo does not know him that well. No. He's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Especially in this. And then you're sitting there, and you're you're doing a scene when you're terrified already in it with a guy that you have no idea what he's going to do, and he pulls out a gun. Like, it's just that scene is, is so incredible. It's so well-paced. It's acted perfectly. That scene stands out to me more than anything else in this movie. The scene where he's sitting with him and there he's eating the thieving with thieving yeah. fucking red. like that yeah. just that line alone. Yeah, it's a pretty goddamn good scene. Um, I, I'm I'm wondering if Jack did anything relevant the rest of his career after this movie. And I'm I'm trying. I looked it up this morning and I don't think I'm forgetting. I think this was the last relevant thing he did. Yeah, I mean, this was the first years. movie he'd done in three years. It was like the sixth movie he'd done in ten years. Yeah. And he's only done a handful after this. Yeah, I don't think there's... Uh, something, something's got to give was 03. Yeah, that was before this. And he... The, the only Schmidt. thing he's working on right now is he's announced to be in Expendables 4. Just, Nick Nicholson? Yeah. That'd be bizarre. Yeah, it'd be kind of awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, he's got to be over 80 at this point. Yeah, he, he's, 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 he's getting up there. And he also, I think, had flirted with retiring... But yeah. I think he, I mean, clearly he's not if he's in Expendables 4. Yeah. Um, so, all right, so my thesis statement, I had a couple. My original one, which I... Oh, and real quick, audience, I saw you guys had asked a couple questions. Um, this is our normal time. We tape every every Wednesday at 1230 Pacific. So if this is your first time watching, then yes, please yeah. tune in every week. And uh, also, I mentioned it a minute ago, but for some reason we got sidetracked uh, with the movies that the person had tweeted us about. But we are on Twitter. If you guys want to follow along with oh, the conversation, yeah. <laughs> right. uh, the best place to find us and get information about the show is to follow the Twitter at AMA Podcast. Uh, the more of you that follow and tune in there, more interaction, the more momentum, all that stuff. So it would be great if you guys want to follow us there. And if you want to follow either of us personally, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and you guys can find me at Andrew Guy and at AMA Podcast is the one that'll update you on things that happened during the week. Like this week we switched from Titanic to Departed because our friend couldn't make it for Titanic. So we're going to do that in the near future. Armageddon. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Armageddon. I was like, why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> Armageddon, not Titanic. Uh, thesis statement. What do you got? Leonardo DiCaprio's performance in Titanic is amazing. <laughs> uh, thesis statement. Mine originally was that in this film... It's one of the few films, great films, that the two leads could switch roles and it would be just as good. Hmm. That was my original thesis, and I think I still stand by that. <laughs> but I feel much stronger about my second thesis. That is that this is the most undeserving Academy Award nod for Best Supporting Actor ever. Even more than Downey in Tropic Thunder, which I think was actually more deserving. He's great. Yeah, he's, he's great in that. But I, I see, I more think... More than Al Pacino in Scarface, or Scent of a Woman. Yeah. More than... 
Anthony Hopkins and Silence of the Lambs. Wait, but those are all... Those are talked about as being undeserved or, or or Oscar surprises because they were only on screen for like 15 to 20 minutes. Hopkins is unreal in It's that one movie. of the greatest ever. But if you look at any other supporting Oscar nod, yeah. they are at least in half the film. Right, like, right, right, right. I'm not saying that Anthony Hopkins didn't deserve it. Right, okay. I'm just saying that was it was like one of those like, holy shit. Yeah, right. You know, this I'm saying is the most undeserved yeah, straight nod up. ever. Wow. I mean, he's, he's so good, though. He's good. He's good. I feel like almost any guy from Boston could play that. He's pretty good. He's, he's good. I, Again. I, yeah, I feel I mean, I feel yeah. I remember I remember walking out of the movie in the theaters and thinking how awesome he was in the role and Look, how if you're gonna if you're gonna celebrate someone being great in a role for just playing themselves, then Mark Wahlberg should have gotten an Academy Award nod for Dirk Diggler. Yeah. You know, like playing so close to who you are. So I don't know. I, I could be in the minority on this one. I'm not saying he doesn't do a great job. I love Wahlberg in this yeah. movie. He's hilarious. He's like he ended up getting an Oscar nomination for the. Fighter. What you don't know any fucking Shakespeare? Yeah, that's great. He ended up getting a nomination for the Fighter mm-hmm. um, as the trainer. Yeah, yeah which was like our uh, brother. Uh, yeah, which was like, you know, but that I think there was doubt that like he had deserved it for Departed and like is he really that good of an actor and you know getting it for for you know I think because the Fighter's a great movie. Yeah, what movie was it that we recently did? Was it Deepwater Horizon where yeah. we did the over-under proper for Wahlberg? Yeah, I think we did. I think we both agreed that he was underrated. Yeah. yeah. And I do think he is underrated, but I think in this moment he was overrated? severely overrated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I disagree with you, but I like your thesis. Fair. All right, fair, fair. <laughs> uh, let's continue moving through the show, guys. The next section of the show is Fist Pump Moment. This is that moment in the movie. Something happens. You want to look around. You're like, are you seeing this right now? Is anybody else watching this? Yeah. It's fucking so sweet. I get to watch the rest of this movie right now. Yes! You want to call your buddy this movie is just a one giant fist pump moment for me the whole thing everything from like the first frame there's so many moments like when the flog molly song starts mm-hmm. playing and they show the title of departed um any scene that baldwin's in yeah any is, scene that baldwin's in the uh, the montage of kills where you're following leo and winstone around yeah, right um nicholson throwing the coke in yeah, the air like right. there's so many great scenes that you're just like why is it great you don't really know yeah but it just is it's just the fucking tone the pace like it's just excellent yeah. um it's just excellent yeah i mean there's just it's littered and the, the editing in this movie is the reason i mentioned her thelma schoenmacher she's edited almost everything scorsese's ever done mm-hmm. going back to raging bull in 1980 is the earliest real hit movie um but everything i mean Goodfellas, Cape Fear, Wolf of Wall Street, this, like, just tons and tons and tons of huge movies. And uh, the vision in this movie, the editing, is, I think, its strongest quality. Yeah, and, and the more that you watch movies and the more that you really analyze them, you start to really appreciate how much editing and cinematography do for a film. Yeah, totally. And how you can't have a great film without great editing and cinematography. Yeah, I honestly think that, that thinking about it and thinking about all the scenes that I love so much, I think the editing is probably my fist bump moment because I find myself st- like watching the screen in this movie and just never breaking focus. Right. You never get lost. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to. No. The long- you've seen it a hundred times. There's like a couple scenes that go on a little longer, like, mm-hmm. like two, three minutes, but a lot of the scenes are these like really fast cuts interspersed where there's like a scene happening and then cutting to like moments like you know 20 or 30 seconds of another scene over four like yeah. little bits just to give you some background on what's happening and yeah and it's also it, also it's really good for breaking and building tension yeah they're really good at doing that like yeah. in a really intense moment they'll cut away for a second you're like no go back and then they go back you're like ah what's happening yeah um also, uh, really quick the audience just asked is Wahlberg from Boston or am I making that up you are making that 
Or no, no, no he's, he's from, from Dorchester, Boston. Boston. Uh, what I was going to say, you're not making that up. Him creating his character was based off of him being arrested, he says, a couple dozen times as a kid. Yeah. And just basing his character, uh, uh, Dignam, off of the people that used to arrest him and the, yeah. and the looks from his parents of disapproval. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to jump in with my fist pump. Then. Yeah. I want to go first. My fist pump moment comes at the end of the film, and this is this is pretty rare, but it's the elevator threesome. That's yeah. what it's called online. That's what I'm going to call it here. That moment when Damon's and you just fucking, just fucking kill me. Just fucking kill, just fucking kill me. And Leo's like, I am killing you. Yeah. Ding, boom. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. One of the craziest moments I've ever seen in a film. Ever. And even last night, and I've seen this movie like 20, 30 times, I rewatched it. I rewatched that whole like two minute thing like a couple times. Yeah. From the moment that he grabs him up on the roof and he's like hitting him with the gun yeah. to him getting shot, which yeah. is so good. Yeah, the fist, my fist pump moment might just be where he's like, shut the fuck up! And he hits him with the gun oh, three good, times. Good, good, yeah. yeah, it's so. I mean, th- that moment of them being on the roof together, knowing who they are. Yeah. It's so good. It fucking blow me. Yeah. The citizens arrest. Yeah. Like, fucking I don't give a Suffolk. fuck if it sticks. Yeah. I'm still arresting you. Suffolk County jury. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. It's just they just hate. It's just so. And and the best thing is that like, in that final moment, you see Damon knows he's beat, and yeah. Leo finally wins. He's got that triumphant just for like, like four seconds. For, maybe not yeah. even. Yeah. yeah. That's it was a total moment. crazy, like, holy shit moment. Never saw it coming. When it happened. Yeah, like, that was one of those moments in films that you never saw coming. Yeah. Yeah, totally crazy. Yeah. Totally crazy. Um, so that actually brings to mind some of the conversation we were having. Okay. Which is uh, uh, top holy shit moments in movies. Because this is obviously a top holy shit moment. Absolutely. Okay, I like this. So uh, we, yeah, we both, uh, we, you know, kind of, kind of threw around a couple ideas here. So let's just go back and forth with a few. Okay. Um, you, I, I'm assuming this is one of your three. This is not one of my three. It is, it is obviously one of my three, but I don't want to use it yeah. because I think it, it, it qualifies on both lists. So I'm gonna jump in with my third, or I don't really have them ranked. I don't think. Um, I think I have to go. Old school classic, Luke. I am your father. That's how he says it, right? That was a pretty bad. Uh, That's how he says it, right? <laughs> With the raise of the voice, I think so. No, <laughs> he doesn't. No, it's Luke. I'm your father. Darth Vader. Empire Strikes Back. Are I'm you not gonna making a joke do right now? James Earl Jones's voice. Okay, he's it like, not, he's like, I refuse. Not, it is not Luke. I am your father. It is no. I am your father. Yes. No. No. no I, I am, am your, your father. father. See, I can do a God, real impression. And he's like, and he's like, no! No! no, no. It's great. Yeah. When, and once you say, reach inside yourself, and you will find it to be true, or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I've never seen it. You've never seen the film. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, you're gonna go there. I'm gonna jump in with a classic from uh, 2000. Um, a film I like to call Titanic. No, I'm just kidding. It's not from 2000. It should uh, be Titanic. <laughs> Someone in here said it's the greatest action movie of all time, by the way. Uh, the Sixth Sense. The mm. end when you find out that Bruce Willis yep. sees dead people. Actually, no. it's <laughs> That he likes children. Haley Joel Osment sees dead people. Um, <laughs> when you find out that Bruce Willis is, in fact... Dead. <laughs> a dead person. Spoiler oh yeah, spoiler alert. alert for this this segment. By for the this way, segment we're gonna ruin some classics for some you. Some really good ones. Uh, my next one is gonna be Fight Club. Spoiler alert. Yeah, give you a second. There you go. Uh, that moment when when he's sitting there and he's like, "Say my name. Say my name is Tyler Durden. Tyler Durden." And she finally yeah. says it, and you're just like, 
And then my favorite thing in any movie where there's split personalities is when they go through and yeah. they show it happening as the person you didn't know it was. Right, him beating himself yeah, up. Yeah, him beating himself up or going places and saying, you know, anyone, even if it's me, don't let him in. Like, yeah. that moment was super badass and he shoots himself in the head. Yeah. Just so cool. Yeah, that movie's so good. That's one of the best movies of all time and I think with pop culture kind of like idolizing it so much it's yeah. almost become a joke well that's like what happens to a lot of great movies I yeah. mean you talk about The Sixth Sense it's like sim- a similar thing that's a great movie but it got parodied and spoofed And what about the line I just said from Empire yeah that's the most spoofed line in movie history yeah yeah for sure I mean that's and that's that in Rosebud yeah right there's yeah. one of those things there's one of those things that like I, I think Fight Club's a great example because Fight Club is such a piece of popcorn pop culture uh, history and you know with Brad Pitt being the sex symbol that he was at the time and it was just such a trendy movie. Mm-hmm. It was we had this conversation about Almost Famous recently. It was the same conversation. Yeah, Almost yeah. Famous is is when I watched it just a, like a month and a half ago. I talked about it on the show, but like legitimately one of the best movies I've ever seen. Like and I had loved it when it came out and I remembered how good it was, but it had just been. It was just so popular. It was mm-hmm. so overexposed. Every girl in middle school wanted to be Penny Lane. It was just this thing like. It was hard to appreciate the movie for what it was. Yeah, like the same thing happened with Donnie Darko later on. Yes, exactly. You know, it's like this. Th- there's movies that for some reason you just people latch onto and they can't let go of, and Fight Club is one of them. Yeah, but when you go back and watch those movies, or if you're watching them for the first time, they're unreal movies. They're, they're excellent. so good. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Fight Club, definitely one of the best ever. I'm going to go with one, a Todd Field movie. I believe Todd Field's the director. Uh, and he's the guy that directed Little Children and a movie called In the Bedroom. <laughs> Little and Children is one of the creepiest movies ever. Yeah, that was his follow-up. In the yeah. Bedroom is the big breakout movie, and I think it's from like 2001. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> the movie opens basically with a relationship between Nick Stahl and... Um, Rangers fans like, there should be a rule with spoilers. If the film was made 10 plus years ago, you have no, ri- or you, yeah. <laughs> you have no right to exclaim spoiler. I completely agree. Yeah. However, I was in a restaurant the other day. Yeah. It was like a, a year ago. I can't believe that Darth it's, Vader was Luke Skywalker. It was father. literally someone <laughs> like yelling at their father about a movie that had come out 20 years ago. I can't remember what it was. It's driving me crazy. I'll, yeah. I'll keep thinking about it, but anyway, so that's why we have to say it, Rangers fan. That's why. Yeah, but I appreciate you uh, saying that. So yeah. in, in the bedroom, it's Marissa May is a single mother, um, and uh, she's dating Nick Stahl. I think it's Nick Stahl. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Nick Stahl. Anyway, uh, they're dating, and like the parents are kind of like, oh, we don't approve, we don't approve, and there's like this angry ex-boyfriend in like 45, 50 minutes of the movie where you think like this is a story about like it's all going to work out. Uh, Nick Stahl just gets capped, just shot in the head. Right, just out of nowhere. In front of Marissa Tomei, and like it's like a stray bullet, and that's, the movie all of a sudden becomes about his parents and the grief, and it ends with huh. this... You've never seen this movie? I've never seen oh, it. You would love this movie. Really? It ends in the most... I won't give this away because it's not the twist, but it ends in just the darkest, most, like, just chilling movie. You know who plays his dad in that movie? Tom Wilkinson. Awesome. Yeah. The movie's really good, but when he gets capped, What's you're it like... What's called again? In the bedroom. In the bedroom. All right, I have to check that and out. Sissy Spacek's The Mom. I got nominated for, like, five Oscars, I think. Um, it's fantastic movie and really creepy and really good. That happened to me similarly in uh, Animal Kingdom where there was like an actor I was really looking forward to yeah. seeing the whole movie and then he dies within the first five minutes. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> okay, whatever. It was uh, Animal Kingdom is one of my favorite movies of all time, by the way. Um, final, I gotta go, the original old boy. The twist, that the fact that the girl that he's saving, that he's falling in love with, the one yeah. that he sleeps with and all that, spoiler alert, <laughs> it's his daughter. He gets tricked 
And he gets so what happens in the beginning of the movie, he gets kidnapped for like seventeen years. Yeah. And the dude takes his daughter and raises her somewhere else, like the guy that puts him in imprisonment. So it's this whole thing of revenge. It's a revenge story, but the twist at the end is that it's his daughter. And it's the moment you find out is so fucked up. It's so gnarly. And then they like the villain when he exposes it, he plays the clip of them having sex, like the audio clip for the for him to listen to. Oh, it is man. incredible. Old Boy is my favorite movie of all time. The original Old Boy is the greatest film over I've ever Gladiator? seen. Over Gladiator? Over Gladiator. I didn't know that. Over any movie, over Boogie Nights, over anything. I you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I remember Old Boy. I remember people talking about it a lot. I think I've seen maybe clips online, but I don't know that I've ever watched the whole movie. It is the most perfectly acted, beautifully shot, yeah. well-written story I've ever seen. And like I don't speak Korean, I mean like I'm yeah. of Korean heritage. But you can just tell the acting's incredible in it. I saw the remake, the Josh Brolin one. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it was fine. It's fine. Likely. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, I'll go with my last one. Is uh, I'll go with the Prestige. Yes, uh, because I love that movie so much, and I just saw it this last year in 2016, yeah, which finally. is so crazy. Yeah, considering I mean, I feel like that's a movie you just would love. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and it's just, that movie's so fucking well acted. But, yeah, just at, at the end, like, the twist is just so fantastic. Yeah, I, I was trying to remember. I had to reread it this morning because I was... Yeah, Hugh Jackman, uh, that yeah he, that he's, like, still alive when you think... But he's made all these copies of himself. Yeah, him and Tesla have cloned himself. Yeah, when it goes back and it starts showing how that all happened, it's so creepy. Right, and it's because he's trying to replicate the tricks that... Edward Norton, I mean not Edward Norton, that um, Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman or that uh, uh, no, <laughs> Bale, the Christian, <laughs> the Bale. Christian Bale's doing, but Christian Bale has a twin, yeah, right, so right. that's why he's able to actually pull them off, yeah, right, yeah, I got and, a good one for you guys, yeah, okay, spoiler uh, alert, Nicolas Cage movie, Matchstick Man, oh, that's oh a great right, twist, that she, yeah, that he's been grifted, yeah, he's uh, he's a con artist that he ends up finding his long lost daughter, right. And uh, and then he meets Sam Rockwell in the middle of it, and there. I actually just watched the movie the other day, and it turns out they're all trying to pull off a con twist. Yeah, it's not his daughter. No, he's getting he's getting gypped the whole time. Yeah, that's a good movie. It's a really good it's movie. An underrated, movie. very underrated. Underrated Ridley Scott. Um, Is that all? Do you have one more? Right? Your no, last I, one? I had three. I did Prestige in the bedroom. Okay, and, right. uh, Six cents. Uh, really quickly, I'm just going to do a list of honorable mentions. I'm not going to tell you what happens in any of them, but if you haven't seen these movies, you should watch American Beauty, Memento, Seven, and Scarface. And there's the some, usual suspects. And the usual suspects. And there's even more, but those are some pretty gnarly moments. Yeah, there. definitely. Definitely. Uh, Anybody in the chat throwing out any? Um, clones, hats, hats. Uh, no, they're just talk, kind of talking about what we're talking about. Prestige. I'll see if I pull anything up. Um, all right, let's continue moving through then. Uh, so you got where these guys were in their career at the time. It's a pretty stacked cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we decided to focus on DiCaprio and Matt Damon as the two stars of the movie. Um I guess they're the stars of the movie. Yeah, I mean, the only other person you can argue is that it's Nicholson, but... He's the top billing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, these these were pretty distinct moments in these guys' careers. You know, uh, for DiCaprio, this is the moment where... This is the moment where he starts to go, like, in the direction we know him to be in now. Yeah, who he is now, which is leading man Oscar winner. Yeah, because in the, in the 90s, before Titanic, what some people don't remember is that he, in fact, was a well-respected child actor. Yeah. Um, he had come up. He was very young. He was in Marvin's Room, a boy, uh, This Boy's Life, The Basketball Diaries, <laughs> Romeo and one. Juliet, yep. The Man in the Iron Mask. He had a pretty well like received career, and then Titanic broke him, and he became this like teen idol. Leo did what every child actor wishes they could do, which is 
move from being a child actor to a teen heartthrob to a successful leading man without losing your shit and becoming addicted to drugs. He had to leave. He had to leave for a few years. Yeah. Um, after after Titanic, I believe The Man in the Iron Mask came out after Titanic or the same year. Yeah. But it was like around the same time. 98. And, yeah, and I think he took like a couple years off because Gangs of New York in 02, <clears throat> I want to say is almost like his first movie back. In like a couple few years? In like three years maybe. Yeah. I'll look that up. Yeah, it's, I, th- I think unless I'm forgetting something really relevant, he took at least two or three years off and comes back and does Gangs, which... I remember distinctly when that movie came out, it was kind of like DiCaprio, huh, in a Scorsese movie. I saw that with my mom in theaters. Yeah, gangs. You guys walked out or no? No, she yeah. she was blown. Oh, you know what? No, he's, so he did Celebrity and Man in the Iron Mask in 98, and then that's when he took his two-year break, and then he did The Beach, and then Don's Plum, and then Gangs of New York. Okay. So, so he, he took a two-year break, yeah, right in that area. So, yeah, he... Uh, <laughs> He does gangs, and you know Day Lewis gets all the, the cred for that movie because he's amazing. He's and so good. Picture. Yeah. And then Catch Me If You Can in O two, which is so good. It's such a good film. That Him and so Tom good. Hanks are both so they play so well off of each other. Yeah. And it's one of those films that you, you watch the trailer, you're like, I don't want to like that yeah. movie for some reason. And it's so much better than people remember it. Yep. It's like one of the it's one of the great underrated Leo movies. Like, does Intolerable just, Cruelty have a good twist? No, it's a bad movie. George Clooney, Catherine Zeta Jones. I mean, it's not like a twist. It's just a right. bad movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why that just popped in my head. It's like a bad Coen <laughs> Brothers movie. Um, uh, and then The Aviator in 04, which is his first Oscar nomination. Yeah. Uh, and then from that point forward, pretty much, because this is two years later. As they departed. say, the rest is history. Yeah, I mean, yeah. his last decade, you know, five Oscar nominations, I think, right? Or is it... Wall what? Street? Aviator, Wolf, Aviator. Departed, Blood Diamond. And Revenant. And Revenant, yeah. yeah. So five now. Um and then a bunch of other movies that were nominated for Oscars that he didn't necessarily get a nomination for, yeah, like and this. S- and someone in chat, uh, if you want to, if you someone in chat actually just discussed this um, fun little tidbit that we actually pulled up already. Uh, if you want to say it, you can. Oh, it, sure, yeah. yeah. So basically, um, as as my thesis statement suggested, he's pretty phenomenal in this movie. But because the studio was pushing him to be nominated for Best Actor in the Blood Diamond the same mm-hmm. year, they didn't want to push him for a supporting nomination or a lead nomination for this movie. So uh, they could have pushed him for supporting in this movie because he's up in such an ensemble. Yep. But because they were already going to push Blood Diamond, they pushed Wahlberg instead. And DiCaprio said that he did not want to campaign against any of his co-stars. Such um, a cool dude. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. like the fact that he's like, I've been around for longer than all of you. I'm probably a better actor than most of you. In his mind, he might yeah, think this. Sure, right. And he's like, but and I'm, I give a better performance in this film than any of you, except for maybe Jack. And no, take it. Yeah, I don't need it. It's wild. It's fine. Yeah, super cool. So on the flip side of things, uh, Matt Damon. So this is this is right before. I think he gets that, like, you can do anything. Because Invictus is, like, 2007, right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. But I sort of feel like... I mean, Matt Damon's just, like, one of the ultimate interesting careers because he's never really quite broken through as, like, Leo level of, of, of like, talent where people are, like, you're you're one of the three or five best living actors yeah. right now. He's always been that guy in the second tier who's, like, you can kind of put him in anything. He'll be really good. He might even get an Oscar nomination, but he's kind of Matt Damonish in everything I feel like he plays. Him and him and Ben have that with them forever for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know what it is about both of them, but it's so true that with I mean, I haven't seen The Accountant. So yeah. I can't speak to how well Ben is in there, but yeah. I, I feel like with what I've heard, there's just remnants of Ben and Matt in every character they play to where you don't truly lose them, which is why I didn't take that the- my original thesis. Yeah. Because there's moments of Leo being 
like lost Leo that I don't think Damon can do. Yeah, it's, it's funny because Damon's best roles are phenomenal. I mean, he's yeah. super good in the ones that he's great in. Absolutely. Um, I mean, but, Good Will Hunting is, I mean, I know that that's super close to home, but that's yeah. still my favorite performance of him. Yeah, he's his. really, really good in that. I mean, Talented Mr. Ripley, he's, he's good great in this. In. He's really good in this. Um, he's, the Martian. He's so good in The Martian, Invictus. I mean, he has he has a lot of great movies, but uh, this is like definitely an interesting place because the Brothers Grimm in 05, um, that's a bit of a bomb. Ocean's 12 and 04, and then Ocean's 13 a couple years after this. He just... The other thing about the, the two guys, the difference is that, like, Matt Damon got, like, kind of anointed as part of that Brat Pack group with Brad Pitt and, yeah. and uh, George Clooney because of the Ocean's movies, and because of that, had this extremely, like... In the same way that Brad Pitt will get the same thing, where it's like, he, he'll be great in things at times, but mm-hmm. often he's, like, a little too Brad Pitt. It's, it's the same thing. Yeah. He's, he, Matt Damon's a little more movie star than he is actor. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. And and it's a little unfair because like he's really good in a he's lot a of. He's a very things. good actor. He's very good in this film. He has you know? a franchise with five installments. Yeah. Leo would never be in a franchise with five installments. Just yeah, we've got and we've got a couple of things here in chat. That this is brought up. So one thing is, uh, Rangers fan asked, "Do you think DiCaprio will just do something else now that he's won an Oscar?" He, someone's saying that they'd love to see him in a comedy. Um, he's talked about leaving acting for a few years to go pursue environmentalism. Um, I mean, he's a pretty staunch advocate for climate change prevention, and like, he's definitely a political guy as far as that stuff goes. DiCaprio's the kind of guy that I could easily see in a political position later in his career. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all. But um, do you see him doing anything different with his acting career? I don't think so. I think he takes no. it a little too seriously, and and not in a negative way. But I also think that. With like you said, like he he's a father, I'm yeah. pretty sure, and and a husband and a huge environmental activist. Like Leo's used his Academy Awards speech, his win that he's been waiting for for 20 years to is talk a, about the environment. Is he a father and a husband? I feel like he is, isn't he? I think no. He's been dating a model for six months. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Well, why'd you say yes then? I was just I was <laughs> I didn't want to be wrong, but I, I wasn't sure. I okay, thought, is he not? <laughs> no, I think so he's like one of the most dead. eligible bachelors or something like that. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so my point is, is that. The dude, he he picks and chooses his movies very carefully, yeah. and he's a very busy guy. Definitely. So I don't see him taking a back, like, like no. taking a step back in his I acting. I career. don't think so either, especially not as long as Scorsese is doing movies. I mean, I think he'll he'll be in at least a couple more Scorsese movies. He's done five with Scorsese yeah. now, and De, uh, um, De Niro did seven. Six. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, seven. So when I sold you eleven earlier, I was dumb. You were like <laughs> twelve was the actual math there. Um, and then someone else had to bring up, and we were going to talk about it eventually, just because we love Tom Cruise. But it was originally supposed to be Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. Tom Cruise would play Costigan, yeah. and Pitt would have played Sullivan. And as much as I love Cruise, oh god! And as much as I love Cruise and Pitt, that movie would have been bad compared to this. Compared to this. Compared to that. it would have been a good movie still. I'll bet you, like, you would have had to make him make him older, and I'll bet you. But I'll bet you Cruz would have been awesome. He would have been intense. Yeah. I just, could totally see Pitt killing. I mean, Pitt as yeah. as the uh, goody two shoes cop in Seven is great. Yeah, but it would definitely be a different movie. It yeah. wouldn't resemble this movie. It wouldn't have the same feeling. Um, so anyway, that's kind of where these guys were, and it's yeah. I think it's I think it's interesting that these that these two guys. I mean, so we were having a conversation before the show. I just remembered seeing the picture of Leo and his model girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now. I, I was. We had this conversation. We wanted to play overrated, underrated properly. Mm, mm-hmm. And originally, you suggested we do Matt Damon, and I was like, we should do DiCaprio. I can't really decide which one is more interesting. 
I can't either. I think they're both. I think that both conversations are very interesting. So all that means is that we need to have both of them eventually. Yeah. Well, maybe let's put it up to vote for Stephen. Hey, Stephen. What's up? We want to have the conversation of overrated, underrated, properly rated, and the two subjects in question are DiCaprio or Matt Damon. Which would you rather hear us discuss right now? I mean, that's that's difficult. They're you know, both really interesting conversations. Both, I mean, I sort of. Well, I, I think it's just it's it's interesting because Matt Damon has just such severe loyalty from anyone in Boston. Yeah, right. And then Leo is just like, I mean, he's kind of like a god in a way. Yeah, in the acting world. Let's so like, let's, yeah. let's do Leo. I yeah. think I think let's let's go with Leo. Okay, so we'll go Leo. Um, Overrated, underrated, properly rated. And guys, please, if you are in the live chat, I've got it open. Tweeted us at AMA Podcast. Let us know whether you think Leo's over, under, or properly rated, and give us your argument. And I'd love to read them out because this is a great conversation. Yeah, you know, this is what I'm going to say. I and I think this is going to be controversial, uh... but I think DiCaprio's overrated. And I'll say I'll, I'll qualify that. I will qualify the statement. I can't think of another actor alive right now, aside from, like, Day-Lewis or somebody who's, like, an actual legend, like, Mm -hmm. has been kind of out of the limelight, but another, like, actor who's, like, say, between 30 and 55, who anybody would argue is a better actor than DiCaprio. I don't... There's not one person I can think of. McConaughey? Maybe. But he's got, like, a couple roles. Yeah. You know, DiCaprio's got, like, 12. No, 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 I, I understand. So I'm just trying to think, like, anyone. And as great as a, an actor as I think he is, and he's phenomenal, phenomenal. I don't think that Leonardo DiCaprio is just the de facto best actor in the world. I just don't no, think he is. I think that he's had the virtue of working with a guy in Scorsese that has put him in incredible movie after incredible movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if you... And this is obviously, like any argument you make about the greatness of anybody you can always say well take away that thing and right. but it's like well that thing is what makes them who they are so you know t- it's yeah, like yeah but even as a kid he was in Gilbert Grape wasn't a Scorsese movie and fucking killed it yeah oh, you idiot I forgot no. that he got an Oscar <laughs> not for that yeah I was I was actually I didn't want to correct you earlier because I wasn't 100% sure yeah so yeah. I just corrected you with the girlfriend thing instead <laughs> but <laughs> I was wrong <laughs> and you knew I was yeah. wrong <laughs> um, so it's right on the line for me overrated underrated but I think he is... you think he's overrated? If, if I said properly rated, then I would be acknowledging that Leonardo DiCaprio is basically the best actor in the world. Right. And I think he's close to it. He might be, but I think there's... Yeah, but I think, I think he's properly rated because, honestly, nobody ever, like, opens up a conversation saying Leonardo DiCaprio is the best actor in the world. Mm-hmm. What they do open up the conversation as, he is one of the best actors in the world, which I can agree with. Yeah, I, I think I go slightly overrated, but... Man, that's a tough one. What do you got? All right, so I'm going to read here. Uh, guys, if you want your opinions read, you got to post them. Rangers fan, IMO, he is properly rated. He is a great actor. Although I think The Revenant was a pity Oscar. Great film, but not his best out of the roles he was nominated for, which I think a lot of people are in the same boat. I had to say Leo's properly rated. Okay. Uh, the reason I say he's properly rated is because... It's because the performance in The Revenant was incredible. Yeah, it really was. Really you good. know, regardless of... of how good or bad you thought he was in the film like the the lengths that he went to portray truth in that film yeah. was incredible um if you asked me 10 years ago if i thought he was overrated i'd say yes yeah i did i think he was like a little too much or when maybe this, like eight when, years when ago this came out a couple years, years after ago. body yeah. of lies territory exactly but now 
the dude has proven that he can do anything. He yeah. can literally do... I mean, if you don't think he's done a comedy, watch Wolf of Wall Street again. That movie's hilarious, and he's hilarious so in good. it. Yeah. He's great in Great Gatsby, you know, The Revenant. The dude can do anything. Now, the one thing that I have to say is that Leo plays an everyman in almost every film he does. Yeah. He plays like any like anyone could be that guy, but he brings such depth to those characters mm. and he portrays that depth so well. Like, of course, any of us would be like, well, obviously, if you're an undercover cop, it would be so much stress. You'd, be, you'd always be stressed that you think everyone's watching you. But what he conveys... Yeah. It makes you feel like you're watching someone lose their mind, really. Yeah. Leo loses himself in roles where I feel like Damon and Affleck don't. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say he's properly rated. I really do think he's properly rated. I don't think he's the greatest actor of all time. There's a different essence about him than there is about PSH. PSH plays characters all across the board. That's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're not every men. And if they are every men, he brings something to them that's just crazy. Yeah. You. I mean, there's definitely the unfortunate... The unfortunate title that comes if you are a leading man is that, like, no matter how hard you work, people will always discredit you a little bit for not being, like, a character actor. Right. For not being, like, a little bit chubby and not quite as handsome, like, which is what, you know, Gandolfini or guys like that who are just these amazing powerhouses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's it's an uphill battle. It's, it's a little harder for... Um, and my last point that I have to say, though, yeah. is that... I also think so that on that end of PSH and character acting and like being able to own that is McConaughey on the other hand when when you and I I know and I know for a lot of people <clears throat> when I see McConaughey's in something yeah I'm kind of excited yeah I'm like oh wait McConaughey hell yeah, yeah. what is he going to do yeah. when I see Leo in something I'm like oh Leo's in this that's going to be a good film he's going to do a good job right it's a different feeling you know what I mean I completely agree and I think that's probably a little bit of that's probably a little bit of where I have that feeling of like a little overrated. He's a little less of a draw mm-hmm. as and as somebody who loves him, who's a huge fan of him, he's a little less of a draw than certain actors that I think he gets put in the company of. But it's it's splitting hairs, you know. It's like 51-49 kind of a thing. I could just as easily see myself on the other side of this uh, on the other side of the conversation. But Right. I'm going to read these really quick. Uh, sure. the ones that we got. So Jonas Tiger says promise to be He's he proved to be overrated if you take the fact that girls swooned over him and I wasn't a fan of his until Gangs of New York. So the fact that he didn't like him until the last third of his career is his argument. Um, Jonathan Peck says Leo... Oh, no, 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 excuse me. Jacob Shields says he's overrated. Leo has played the serious role over and over and over again. They all feel like a really long movie. Now, there are times when I watch Leo and I feel like his character is the same. Yeah, or right. Or like parts of his character are the same mm-hmm. in a lot of films. So, all right. Thanks for your your input, guys. It's done a lot of good. movies. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. We're the same person playing all those different people. Uh, just before we move on, one thing that I thought was really, really interesting. Um, the four main people in this film. This is cool. DiCaprio, Mark Wahlberg, um, uh, Matt Damon. Damon, and Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. 1997 was a huge year for all four actors. And I read this yes. online. I thought this was really, really cool. So... Um, even though our printer didn't print any of the names, so this is like a choose-your-own-adventure. But what it was basically saying is that Wahlberg rose to prominence in 1997 with Boogie Nights. Being Dirk Diggler, yep. Where Jack won the Oscar for uh, Something's Got It, or uh, As Good As It Gets. Yep. And Leo starred in the highest-grossing film of all time in Titanic. And, and Matt Damon uh, lost his Best Leading Actor role to Jack for winning in, in As Good As It Gets, but also was nominated and won for an Oscar for writing Goodwill Hunting. Right. And then Scorsese also 
Didn't he? Uh, is this the same one? He won best director, or was it Clint Eastwood? Oh, against Eastwood, oh four and oh six, yeah, oh four and oh six, yes. So he lost uh, it, when he directed The Aviator. He lost best director to Eastwood in oh four when he and won the million best dollar picture. baby. Yeah, but then two years later, Letters from Iwo Jima lost both awards to Scorsese for Departed. For this, so, yeah, yeah. I thought those were both kind of interesting. Those tidbits. are all really cool. So, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, yeah. William Monahan? So William Monahan is the writer of this film. He um he went to UMass Amherst and he studied Jacobian and Elizabethan drama. Um, after graduating, he went on to work for Maxim, Talk Magazine, and Spy. Uh, Spy Magazine's kind of where he rose to prominence. He, he I think he became like editor in chief or something there. But in its final days, he was there, basically just improving jokes and rewriting stories um, and articles. And then he went on after that to write a novel called Lighthouse, a Trifle, which uh, Warner Bros. like. They optioned the script. It looked like that was what yeah. was going to happen. They were going to turn it into a film, but it didn't happen. And then it, um, it ended up becoming a book. It was finally published two years later. And it was, you know, got a lot of love from the from New York Times. Uh, that started his screenwriting career. After that, he went on to work on Tripoli, about the famous Battle of Tripoli. It was going to be directed by Ridley Scott and produced by uh, Mark, Mark Gordon, Gordon yeah, right? Um, but I'm not exactly sure what happened, but at some point in this... Uh, Scott had mentioned he wanted to direct a movie with knights in it, and and Monaghan just like took that and ran with it, and he wrote Kingdom of Heaven, which we've talked about that movie a lot on this show, and I feel like we both need to revisit it because I remember liking it a decent, like a fair amount as a kid, but I know it's not a good movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I've heard this before, and it says it references it here, but there's a director's cut of that movie that people have talked about is Mm -hmm. very good. Um, I remember seeing it in theaters and thinking that it was pretty bad, like just really, really weird and didn't know what it was trying to do. But I have heard that the director's cut was great, and it says here that uh, the critics praised his writing in the director's cut, so I'm curious to know what that's like. Maybe it'd be worth watching. It's so tough with movies like uh, Batman versus Superman yeah. and Kingdom of Heaven when they're bad movies to be like, but watch the longer version. It's better. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? It's like... Yeah, you don't get... I mean, Heaven's Gate is the all-time, you know, most famous flop ever. It sunk a studio. The original uh, cut was over five hours long. Right. The one that exists now is, like, somewhere in the three-hour range. But there are people that still say if you watch, the, like, the four-hour version... <laughs> the one it's in like, between? It's, like, really good. It's perfect. Um, so, yeah. But uh, in any case... Uh, PC movie argument. Say what? It's it's the DC movie argument. Yeah, right, right, where exactly. It's just like, oh, three hours of Batman versus Superman wasn't very good, but if you watch the three hours and thirty minute version, it's yeah. perfect. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but you know, with failure comes opportunity. Despite his inability to please critics with Kingdom of Heaven, uh, that all changed in two thousand six when Brad Pitt approached him um, with his production company Plan B, which he owned at the time with his wife Jennifer Aniston, yep. and hired Monaghan to write an adaptation of Andrew Lau's Internal Affairs which is a very, very famous crime drama in uh, from China, I believe. Yes, I was China. it was called Infernal Affairs for some reason. Infernal? That's what I always thought, but maybe I'm dead wrong about that. It could just be, it uh, could just be something... I hope you are, because... Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you also might have just looked and been like... And just like, oh, that's internal. Breezed over, yeah. I think it's Internal Affairs. Okay, um, Stephen, while we're talking about writing, would you just look it up real quick so we can clarify for the audience? Is it a movie or a TV show? That's a movie. Infernal Affairs or Internal Affairs. It's the original that Departed's based on. Um, uh, okay, so then... Uh, after <clears throat> after seeing that Monaghan was attached to the script, uh, Scorsese signed on because he knows that Monaghan, being raised in Boston, Infernal growing up there... It's what? Infernal Affairs. Infernal Affairs. Son it's of a trilogy. B- yeah, yeah, yeah it's a trilogy, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And they were saying... Um, uh, we'll get into that. Um, 
I was actually going to get in that right now. So Andrew Lau was actually saying that this film is good, not as good as his. He gives it an 8 out of 10, being, saying that it's too long. Nicholson was way too over the top and unnecessary, which is crazy to me. Yeah, it's crazy. And then also, uh, they blended the two female characters from Infernal Affairs into yeah. one Vera Farmiga. I read that. Um, since this film, Monaghan hasn't really done much. He, writ- he wrote Body of Lies, Edge of Darkness, and then he started directing and producing with London Boulevard. The Gambler and Mojave. Yeah, yeah. E- each of these movies is, is one of those ones where, okay, I didn't see Body of Lies, but it was pretty underwhelming. That's People the didn't... Russell Crowe one, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's I've never heard it's bad. It's just like never stood out. Edge of Darkness is the Mel Gibson Returns movie. That's after his hiatus. Right, and... Uh, Mel Gibson was originally going to be uh, Jack Nicholson's character, yeah, but he right. turned it down because he was working on Apocalypto. Yeah, I don't know London Boulevard. I saw The Gambler. Uh, is that the Sean Penn one? No, that's the, the Walt uh, Gambler's the Walbert. Walbert. Right? Yeah, yeah, very, very mediocre. Um, they, it's just not that good. Uh, it's pretty predictable. And then Mojave, I haven't seen, but I think Mojave, unless I'm mistaken, is Garrett Hetland and your boy and from Oscar. Oscar Isaac, yeah, um, and it was like one of you know it's one of those. I didn't think they had a theatrical release. I think it was like a direct TV on demand movie. Yeah, I looked at the the cover for it or whatever online. It looked interesting. Yeah, it's a movie I actually like to watch. But so I would say uh, to your comment that he, he hasn't done much. He's done a lot, but it's like not nothing of substance. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's tough when you write The Departed. Yeah. Where do you go? Yeah, he hasn't done a hit. I guess is the better example. Mm-hmm. Like, but I mean, they're all pretty big movies as far as like the cast involved. Yeah. So, but he gets to he gets to ride the coattails of the departed for ever, forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which he won uh, a writers guild and an Academy Oscar. Award for. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I move on to uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of him, Martin Scorsese. Yeah, seriously, uh, Scorsese is a guy that it's hard to really start. Ex- it's kind of like talking about. Um, you know, Bruckheimer or like Spielberg or guys like that. Cameron, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Scorsese's produced almost 60 movies. He's directed over 50 projects. You know, like we said, seven movies with De Niro, five movies with uh, with DiCaprio. Just a ridiculous career. Um, he's had Oscar nominations for Best Director or Best Picture in four different decades. Yep. I mean, he's one of the ultimate directors to stay relevant through the entirety of his career like if you look at the guys that were his contemporaries in like say like the 90s and 2000s who you were like okay so coppola you're like coppola like, existed the at the same time the world yeah hitchcock was a little earlier but yeah or you know spielberg like most of these guys haven't had a movie in each decade that's like one of the hundred best movies ever made if you go yeah. all the way back to the the 70s he's he does like taxi driver and mean streets yep. if you go into the 80s it's like he does raging bull you know he does a couple of these other movies i think king of comedies in the 80s in the 90s it's like he does goodfellas cape fear casino in the 2000s he does the departed as the aviator yep. you know in the last five six years he's done hugo he did um wolf of wall street he's got silence coming out like yes. silence looks sweet he has all these movies and they they're almost always good, and people love them. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it, he's one of those guys that there's not. He doesn't do bad movies, you know. Like, yeah. I guess it's tough because like Shutter Island is one of those movies that a lot of people didn't like, but a lot of people yeah. loved. Whereas, like with Cameron, I feel like he lost a little bit of that credibility for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, maybe it was Aviator. I mean, maybe Avatar. Well, I think what happens with big directors like this is that it's it's all about how much you work. So, yeah. um, a director that makes a movie every two years, you're willing to be like, well, some are good and some are amazing and some aren't as good. Like Woody Allen, I don't think anybody at this point would say Woody Allen's one of the five best living directors, but I think they would say if you watch every Woody Allen movie, you'll find ten 
unbelievable movies. Absolutely. And because he's directed like 50 or something mm-hmm. like that or some ridiculous number. I mean, look at Danny Boyle or someone like that. It's the guys that don't really yeah. mind taking the risk and they make a movie every year or two. Those are the guys where, like, like Scorsese, he's got over 50 movies. Ten of his movies, ten Scorsese movies, are in, like, the top 200 ever made, probably. Yes. Um, maybe, like, top 100. And even, there's several, like, I never saw Hugo, but Hugo's supposed to be amazing. But it's very good. I never saw it either. You know, there's some of his movies that were supposedly incredible that I just didn't watch. And, like, I rarely watch one of his movies, and I find myself not totally impressed. Yeah, impressed is a good word. I may not love the film, but I'm impressed by it still. Yeah, even movies like The Age of Innocence in the early 90s, like, mm-hmm. not the greatest, but not bad. Um they're always they're always fun to watch. So, uh, Scorsese deliberately chose not to watch Infernal Affairs until after he'd completely finished taping this film. Right. Correct. Yep. He just didn't want any, and he actually didn't even know that this movie was based off of another film until he like until after he'd signed on. I had already agreed to do it. Yeah, I thought <laughs> yeah. that was really really interesting. So, moving on to the pro- the producers behind this movie. So, Plan B, which you mentioned, which is Brad Pitt's company that he started with uh, Brad Gray and and uh, Jennifer Aniston when they were married. This mm-hmm. was one of the first films produced by Plan B, actually. Uh, they started the company in 2004. This came out in 2006, won the Oscar. Uh, Plan B existed for a while longer uh, with Aniston until they split up, and then now Plan B is huge. Like, Plan B just yeah, produced they, Moonlight. Um, yeah, they cover massive indie success like massive indie films that are very very good 12 years a slave yeah i mean they've done a lot of really really big movies um brad gray was originally a partner at the brilston gray uh television uh or sorry sorry uh, entertainment management company hmm. which was huge they represented people like brad pitch and Aniston, selena gomez like massive massive names and uh they that company continued to manage people and produce movies and TV, and um, that's kind of who Brad Gray is. He, I think he's at Paramount now, or he was at Paramount, but uh, a massive, massive, massive resume of movies that he was a producer on. And then if you go to the last uh, producer on this movie, Graham King... Why do I know him? Uh, I mean, pretty big stuff. Oh, he, The Town. Yeah, he, like... He, this is his biggest and most well-known movie, is what this Wikipedia was talking about him, but... You know, there was 25 credits or 30 credits that were all pretty relevant. Just some of the most notable: Games of New York, Traffic, The Aviator, Hugo, The Town, Argo. Like, pretty big stuff. <laughs> this guy's pr- pretty big. Yeah, time. those are those are massive films. Yeah, I mean, two of let's see, one, two of those movies won Best Picture. Makes sense that they're all working with Scorsese and Leo, yeah. and you know, they stick in that group. That's why why break out of that. You Every know? one of those has at least one. Oscar nomination, so crazy. Uh, moving on to critical and box office, this film was a massive success in both categories. It was released by Warner Brothers in October of 2006. It cost 90 million dollars to make, and it grossed 132 million domestically, and added another 157 worldwide for a grand total of 289 million dollars, tripling its budget. Uh, it opened at number one at 26 million, with like a steady decline each week, but it was still relevant, I think, for like 12 weeks. Um, critically. This movie is is just adored. It right. got an 8.5 on IMDb, which is number 42 in the top 250. It's got in all the 90s, still following our little formula, which is 91% by all critics, 93 by top, and 94 by audience, which in films like this, it's so hard to even figure out how those 2 and 3% differentiate because... Yeah. For me, this movie should just be the same all the way across. I don't see how you could enjoy this more as an audience and less as a critic. This movie's like almost perfect, in my opinion. It really is. And and, and Andrew Lau saying that it's like 30, 40 minutes too long is... 
I feel is wrong. Maybe 20, maybe 10. Like you were saying, there's a couple scenes that are a couple minutes too long. Yeah. But if even, you cut those, I don't know. You know. I don't know if I think that's actually the case. Um, that they're that the scenes are too long. I mean, this this on here, I am to be number forty two out of two fifty. That's probably closer to. I mean, you know my feeling. I on know the list. You, how you feel, <laughs> but you actually feel like that's a a good rating for it. Yeah, I mean, it's har- always hard to really think about what forty one movies are better than this, but right. this is pr- this is probably one of the hundred best movies ever made. Yeah, and then if you think of like which crime drama thrillers are better than this for you, Goodfellas, it's like a very small list. Yeah, like maybe two or three, yeah. maybe. Um, this movie won four Oscars, uh, including Best Director, Picture, Adapted Screenplay, and Film Editing. It also won a Golden Globe for Best Director, maybe? I can't remember. Yeah. I know it won one Golden Globe, though, I'm pretty sure. And DiCaprio got the Golden Globe nomination for this that he didn't get the Oscar nomination for. Right, and uh, um, <clears throat> Wahlberg got the supporting actor nod for this, but he lost Alan Arkin for Little Miss Sunshine. Yes. Which, which is great. Is great. On Arkansas. It's, great. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, okay, I guess that moves us right along into... Do we have any graphics? We didn't pull any graphics, did we? Not for this no. one, no. All right, so we'll move right along to favorite line. Now, this one's tough. This, um, is, re- this is one of the hardest ones. Yeah, because there's a lot of scenes that have multiple lines that I really, really like. I really love the entire interaction between uh, uh, Vera Farmiga and... DiCaprio in the psychiatrist's office the first time yeah, he was talking to her. Great. And she's like, was prison hard for you? He's like, what, you want to hear about the showers? And she's like, did something happen? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's great. Like, yeah. That's that's great. And like, uh, I also just adore Baldwin. Like, he has so oh, many he's lines. so good. He's like, some guys don't trust a guy with an immaculate record. I have an immaculate record. <laughs> I trust a guy with an immaculate record. <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, you, my son. Yeah. Sound like a cop, right? Just puts his face in the ice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then of course, like, want to go for a smoke break? What you don't smoke? You're one of those health friends? Like, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's brilliant. Uh, I, it was really hard for me to figure this out. There's tons of great lines, but I think for me, and I know part of it is just nostalgia and being like, I'm watching The Departed. It's the opening monologue with yeah. Jack, and it, and, the, and you know, it ending with uh, when you're facing a loaded gun. What's the difference? Yeah. It's just such a great monologue, and him kind of being in the shadows the whole time, and then when he says that line, kind of popping out with his little smile. Yeah. I'm just like, yes, here we go, Departed, fuck yes, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, this is one of the more enjoyable movies I'd watched in a long time. Couldn't, oh, yeah. Couldn't believe how good it was. Like, I, I knew it was going to be great, but like... You worry with films like this, that they're yeah. going to age poorly. Yeah, gimmicky or something like yeah. that, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's for, for me, for you. That sounds like we're kind of on the same page there. Um, moving through, I, we're not going to do a recast or a ranking with this one. Um, guys, stay tuned. Next week on the show, we're going to be announcing kind of a new idea that we have to bring you some of the pieces of this show that we haven't been covering for a little while. Things yeah. like rankings, things like recasts, covering movies in maybe other genres that we haven't been able to. Saving Private Ryan is one of my favorite movies of all time. We will never cover it on AMA. Yeah, so we're trying to figure out a way to do that, and we have some great ideas. So tune in to Armageddon next week, which uh, like, well, that'll be in a second. We'll uh, re- Wait, Titanic? Yeah, Armageddon. <laughs> Titanic. Uh, Armageddon, which we should have Mr. John Roca on. Or, uh, which movie did we have him on for originally? We had him on for The Fifth Element, I think. Right. And he has gone on record as saying that he thinks Armageddon is one of the greatest American action films ever made. Yeah, and Roca's a great guy. He, uh, he His banter goes and plays really well with ours. If you guys haven't seen The Fifth Element episode, check that out uh, yeah. on YouTube. And uh, I guess that leaves us with just the, the categories... I mean, do we even talk no. categories? I mean, just for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, 
we define action movies with three categories on this show, and those mm-hmm. categories are totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, and ridiculously legitimate. Um, the first two are pretty self-explanatory. The middle category are movies that are kind of maybe laugh unintentionally a little bit here and mm-hmm. there, but they're very engaging because they have maybe one really compelling performance or uh, a couple scenes that are just unbelievable, and uh, that, those are movies like The Rock or Point Break. Predator. It's Predator, yeah. yeah. Um, this movie, though, is you know one of the... Hundred best movies ever made, I think. So yeah, pretty, it's not pretty clear. It's, it's totally legit. Yeah, yeah, there's no question. So no. that only leaves us with the very last thing, and that's called the pitch, oh. which uh, we just did. We I, did. I did it anticlimactically, of course. <laughs> uh, but we're going to be doing Armageddon next week. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, John Roca. Yeah, with Roca. So so uh, Roca's going to come on and do Armageddon with us. That's going to be exciting. Um, ben Affleck's in a movie coming out right now called Live by Night. It's yep. his fourth directed film. Is that right? Gone Baby Gone, The Town, Argo. This is four. I think so. Yeah, this I is love Gone Baby Gone. Also, a great Boston. Holy movie. shit moment. Too. Oh yeah, 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 right, yeah, yeah totally. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, that's what we're gonna do next week, guys. Tune in for the pitch. If you want to follow along, share your thoughts. Of course, uh, you can find us at AMA Podcast. I'm Ben Bateman. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you guys can find me at Andrew Guy on Twitter and Instagram as well. And uh, that's gonna do it. Stephen Lemieux in the booth. Thank you for engineering the episode, my friend. Thank you for returning to the show. Take care, guys. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. 